بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين صلى الله وسلم وبارك على خاتم النبيين وعلى اله وصحبه اجمعين السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته to continue discussing the case of Tawheed reaching the chapter number 15 of this book trying to explain the deen of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam trying to talk about the major case that every messenger was sent by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was carrying this as the first case first place he's talking about is the case of Tawheed or monotheism and no need to repeat to say that this book we are studying talking about is a book talking about what Allah said what Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam only said not bringing anything else from his own he's just bringing the ayat and the hadith to show and explain the idea he wants to discuss. This chapter is talking about, yani after he discussed the case of istiada and istirasa, seeking help, seeking refuge, Sheikh is here talking or trying to explain that creatures, whomever they are, they do not deserve and they are not the, the object of worshipping and worshipping should be only for the one who creates everything subhanahu wa ta'ala but before we go on in this case we have to re-discuss or remind ourselves about this word which is really maybe not clear to some Muslims the word worship Ibadah. Unfortunately, lots of Muslims, when you say Ibadah, worshipping, directly, in their minds, it goes to the case of Salah, Salam, Hajj, Zakah. That's it. And it's not only that nowadays, but in fact, that was even in the time of Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And the story of Adi ibn Hatim, radiallahu anhu, when he came and he heard Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam reciting that ayah about the Christians اتخذوا أحبارهم ورهبانهم أربابا من دون الله والمسيح ابن مريم so Adi because he was Christians before and he was just accepted Islam he was amazed he said yes Allah we did not worship them Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam answered him clearly yes you did how is that? Yani, Ali ibn Hatim remembers clearly that he never made salah for this ulama of them or even for Isa ibn Maryam. They never make fasting for them. So what's the case? So Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that ibadah is not these cases only. Ibadah is a wide word. A very big, a very wide word that contains a lot of things. Not only just salah from Hajj Zakah. So in this case now, someone says, what you are talking about is not this. We do not have anywhere in this world somebody is making salah for a grave, or stone for a grave, or so on. We say, okay, fine. We accept that. But that's not what we are talking about. We are talking about something else. 
We talk about the ibadah which is really a major and a big and wide case. So first of all, correct the understanding of ibadah, then talk about what's going on. So in this topic now, Shaykh Rahmatullahi Ali is bringing some ayahs, two ayahs and four hadith, or three hadith. One of them is to rewire over. The first ayah he's talking about is, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala yushrikuna ma la yakhluku shay'an wa hum yukhlakuna wa la yastati'una lahum nasran wa la anfusahum yansurun Yani, it's a question to those people who are worshipping or associating someone with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala those ones they do not have anything to give to the people who are really worshipping them they did not create anything. Yani as an example, the time of Muhammad sallallahu alaihi when the Arabs were worshipping a lot of stations or ideals or idols in that time, like Allah, Al-Uzza, Hubal, so on, 360 idols was beside Kaaba. This question is directed to them. Why are you giving some of Allah's rights, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rights of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to these idols? Well, they are not creating anything, and they are not giving anything, and they are not giving you help or anything. Whatever you ask them, they will not give you. A question is really clear. And the, the, the wise ones understand that this is true. A person is coming to the, the, the idol and asking him for cureness of any sickness. Of course, a wise man he will understand that this idol is not even, yeah, he cannot do anything. Not even defend himself. And the story which is mentioned in some of the history books and the Sira books about one of the Sahaba when he was a Pharisee in Medina, he used to have his own idol to worship at home. Small idol, a rock made by somebody to look like a god. And he keeps that idol at his house and every day he makes, you know, perfumes and this and cleaning and this and he makes requests to this idol. So some of his children or relatives wanted to show him that what he's doing is silly. So they took that idol while he's sleeping, I mean that the man, the owner of the idol, they took the idol while that man is sleeping to the garbage and they throw it there. So in the morning he woke up, where's our God? It's lost. So he went all around, he found it in the garbage. So he was so angry, he brought back the idol and he cleaned it again and he made perfumes and, and he put it back. One or another night, the same guys came and took this God, false God of course, and they not only threw it in the garbage, but also they tied it to a live fox. So the fox made urine on that god. The fox made urine on the god. So when he came and he found that Ishhad, then he understood that, okay, if this god cannot defend himself and the fox is making urine on him, what kind of god is this? So he made some poem saying that if this god is going, cannot defend himself from urine of a fox, 
Why is he to be worshipped when he accepted Islam and he became a Muslim? It's the logic. It's a logic thing when a person thinks, like this ayah of trying to, he's talking to our mind about those people who are worshipping someone other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He says, how come they are worshipping someone? Does that create anything? And he has no capability. Or it has even some it and, and he is both, you know, here because maybe he is alive or maybe he is a rock or a tree or anything. How come they are worshipping this or associating this thing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while this thing is creating nothing? And also, this thing cannot really defend the worshipper. Have you ever heard that Allah or Al-Uzza or Manat or other gods of Quraysh defended them? Have they done any good for them? In fact, they cannot defend themselves, as we will see in the end of the ayah. So, in this ayah, you can find four reasons. Allah has given us four reasons why it's incorrect to give some of the rights of Allah wa ta'ala to these worship things or ones. First one that they do not, cannot create. يُشْرِكُونَ مَا لَا يَخْلُقُ شَيْئًا That's one case. The second case, they are created. وَهُمْ يُخْلَقُونَ The third reason or case is that they cannot rescue the worshippers. They cannot give them anything. وَلَا يَسْتَقِيعُونَ نَصْرَهُمْ When they need help, when they need rescue, these idols or these worship things cannot give anything. Whether they are, as we said, rocks or trees or jinn or whatever. And the fourth reason is that they cannot rescue themselves. As we said about that God of that man who was, it was, uh, which was thrown in the garbage. Cannot defend itself by itself. It is insulted and thrown in the garbage with a fox and cannot really do anything to it. So this ayah is really talking to the minds of the human beings. How come these people are really worshipping? Bring this example to the people now. Whether they are kafirs, pure kafirs, Christians, Jews, Hindus, Sikh, Buddhists, so on, atheists. When these people worship someone, like Buddha, can Buddha defend himself? Can he defend them? Can he rescue them? Can he hear, can he hear them? Can he hear them? Can he, or it, if you want to take it in the other way, create anything? The, question, the answer is no. Then why to worship? When you bring, the, the other, when you bring this ayah to the Creator subhanahu wa ta'ala, you find all of these reasons are available. So he deserves to be worshipped. He creates. He is not created. He rescued his slaves, subhanahu wa ta'ala, the good ones. And he also takes care of himself, subhanahu wa ta'ala. He is the one that everybody needs him. Allahu la ilaha illa huwa al-hay al-qayyum. Al-qayyum means what? He stands by himself and everybody needed him to stand. He is alive by himself. But others need him to be alive. 
He doesn't need anybody. But everybody needs him. Subhanahu wa ta'ala. Then he mentions the other ayah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in Surah Fatir, number 13, ayah number 13. وَالَّذِينَ تَدْعُونَ مِن دُونِهِ مَا يَمْلِكُونَ مِنْ قِطْمِيرٍ Now he is again directing the words to the mushrikeen, to the prophets. That the ones you are calling instead of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do not have anything. And he gave the example of qatmir. Qatmir is a tissue which is rubbing the... Um, what do you call it? Of the date. Inside the date, the seed of the date, yes. The seed of the date is rubbed with a fairly thick, very thick thing, you know. Maybe people who know the date, if, they, if you see any date and open it, see the seed, there is some very... Very, very limited. You cannot see it. It's even it's transparent. These people cannot have even this. What are they going to give? So those you are calling, whether they are يعني, uh, idols, like Allah, Al-Uzza and so on, trees, or even dead people. What does a dead man even if he is a pious person or a wali, what does he have now? Does he have anything now while he is dead already? Nothing. He cannot defend himself even from these worms which is eating his body. Do you think he is going to defend the other? He is wali, even though. Yes, we know that. But that does not mean that they can defend themselves in the grave. They, how, do they have anything? Can they, can they give us anything? Of course, Shaitan, Iblis, Allah, and his descending sons, they want to trick people, to make them think that these dead, buried people are capable of doing things to us, whether good or bad. So he may trick them by some tricks, I told you one of our colleagues, he said that in one of the Arabian countries, he used to go to some grave, some grave, and he used to talk to that grave asking him, especially he is in trouble, he needs his help. Because that was a, yani, a pious person, a wali. He told me, once I went there, I was, so, I was in a desperate situation. So I asked him, Ya wali, ya Allah, Quran, just give me... He said, all surprising, he answered me. And he said, what you want will come to you. Oh, my son, what you want is going to reach you. So I was amazed. Ya Allah, Allah Akbar, Allah Akbar. What is talking to me? Then later on, he discovered that, later on when he studied the case in the books of ulama, he discovered that it was only a shaitan who talked to him from that grave. Yes. What is the shaitan going to get behind this? He will get the trick of the people and the others also. Because this person will go to his people and say, Alhamdulillah, see, our Khalandar Baba, our pious person, our wali talked to me and he gave me what I wanted. So go to him, go to him. Go and sacrifice, give qurban, huh? give dua. That's what shaitan wants. They want to drag people to polytheism, so they will go with him to Jahannam. فَبِعِزَّتِكَ لَأَغْوِيَنَّهُمْ أَجْمَعِينَ 
He wants to drag us all to Jahannam. Of course, if he can't trick us, and he did so many times, then he is going to be so happy to do this. While, while the true Muslim knows clearly that even he is the most or the highest person who ever walked in earth, Muhammad وسلم, he is not allowed to give anything. He is not having anything, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, except that he is alive in the second life, not our life. That's why we all say, who is the person who is dead and alive at the same time? Who is he? Can we have a person who is dead and alive at the same time? Yes. Muhammad sallallahu and Shuhada, they are dead and alive at the same time. They are dead from our life, this dunya. But they are totally alive in their second life, which is Barzakh life. But can they give us anything? No. Can we ask them? No. We are not allowed totally. As you will see later on that some ulama clearly say that they do not hear you even. Except certain cases, like when the dead person is buried, the first few minutes that his people are living his grave, he hears his soul will come back, Allah will send his, back, his soul back to his body, and he will be alive again, the second life of course, and the angels will come to ask him the question in the grave, and he hears the the footsteps of his people when they are living in the graveyard. But that life is not our life. Yani he is not alive in our life. No, he is alive but in his grave life or Barzakh life. And there is no connection between them. In this ayah they don't have anything. They, cannot, they own nothing. They own nothing. And if they, they own nothing what are they going to give? The one who knows nothing, who owns nothing, will give nothing. The complete the ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, إِن تَدْعُوهُمْ لَا يَسْمَعُوا دُعَاءَكُمْ If you call them, they will not hear you. وَلَوْ سَمِعُوا Even if, and even if hear means just to give another answer, although the first answer is correct enough. The first sentence which said, لا يسمعوا دعاءكم they will never hear you they will never that's final but just to give you more convincing points ولو سمعوا ما استجابوا لكم even if they hear you they will not answer you ويوم القيامة يكفرون بشركم in the judgment day they will refuse and reject the worshipping of those people who worship them in dunya Isa ibn Maryam alayhi salam maybe he is the most human being was worshipped and he is worshipped up to now by the Christians now and Allah told us in his holy book when he asked him subhanahu wa ta'ala it called Allah ya Isa ibn Maryam aanta quta linnaas attakhiduni wa ummiya ilahayni min duni Allah qala subhanak ma yakunu liya naqula ma laysa li bihaq in kuntu quta waqad alimta ta'lamu ma fi nafsi wa la a'lamu ma fi nafsi I never said, Ya Allah, Subhanak, I praise you. I never said anything like this. I never asked him to worship me or to worship my, to worship my mother. Never. And you know, Ya Allah, you know, you know what's inside me. I didn't know what's inside you. فَعَلَبُ مَا فِي نَفْسِي وَلَا عَلَمَا فِي نَفْسِي So Isa Maryam, or any other messenger, or any other pious person, or any grave, or any tree, 
or anything else, they don't have anything, and they cannot hear us when they call them, when we call them, and they cannot answer us if they, if they hear us. And even in the judgment day, they will be free of these people who worship them. These graves, these dead people who are in these graves in the judgment day will come day to tell the people, we are free of you, go away. And we know upon the hadith of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam in the judgment day, every people who are worshipping something, every people who were worshipping something, they will follow him in the judgment day. And they will be thrown all together in Jahannam. Except Allah tabaraka wa ta'ala, as we say, as the Muhammad told us, that the true Muslims, every time someone comes and hey, this is your Lord, they say, no, that's not our Lord. They are waiting. So, every Lord or God, what God was worshipped in this dunya, will come. Whether he is a rock, or a shaitan, or a grave, or whoever. He will come, his people will follow him. To Jahannam if he, is, if he, if he deserves it. Because we cannot say Isa ibn Maryam is. But they will follow him that this is Isa ibn Maryam, they will go to Jahannam. But true Muslims, may Allah subhanahu wa make us all like that, they will wait until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala come to them to tell them come to Jannah. So in the judgment day, all of these will say it clearly that they are free of the, the, the worshippers of them. They are free of them. وَيَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ يَكْفُرُونَ بِشِرْكِكُمْ وَلَا يُنَبِّئُكَ مِثْلُ خَبِيرٍ تبارك وتعالى. No one will tell you the truth about the judgment, the, the judgment day or the future except Allah. The one who knows everything, subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَلَا يُنَبِّئُكَ مِثْلُ خَبِيرٍ These are two ayahs. Shaykh Rahmatullah Alayh brought them to show that all these created things cannot really help people or give them any good. In Bukhari and Muslim, should be in Bukhari, should be in Muslim only because Bukhari did not make the chain complete called Mu'allaq ta'aliq however it's sahih because it's in Muslim at least Anas ibn Malik said that Rasulullah was hurted in Uhud battle some of his teeth were broken he said to Allah angrily how the people who do this, do this to their messenger how are they going to win how are they going to be in the right track now Allah tabarak wa ta'ala said it clearly even if Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was the best person ever walked on earth and he has done his best sallallahu alayhi wa sallam still Allah does not allow anybody to do things that only for Allah so Allah wa ta'ala said in the ayah لَيْسَ لَكَ مِنَ الْأَمْرِ شَيْءٍ judgment is or decision only for Allah these people will become good or not is not up to you ليس عليك هداهم من هذا الآية ولكن الله يهدي من يشاء يعني محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم could not make his uncle the beloved uncle Abu Talib who have defended him and protected him from Quraysh and everybody years and years he could not force him to become a Muslim and Abu Talib died as a politician and we know that upon the clear hadith although the Shia they try to make it somewhere or another So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, even if they have done this to you, it's not up to you that they accept Islam or not. 
you only do your message. ليس لك من الأمر شيء. Also, another hadith. عبد الله بن عمر رضي الله عنهما عبد الله بن عمر بن الخطاب رضي الله عنهما said that Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم he used to make قلوت you know قلوت قلوت means usually done in, in, in uh, wither but Muhammad صلى الله عليه وسلم does it sometime, did it sometime in al-fajr prayer after the second rakuع he stands up then he make قلوت and he used to curse some of the people in that time who were hurting Muslims, who were hurting Muslims. And cursing in here, we have to remember, Al-La'an. Al-La'an means to send someone away from the mercy of Allah. At-Tard wal-Ibi'ad min rahmatillah. And to send away some, someone away from the mercy of Allah, is that up to us? And not even up to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. It's up to Allah only. He's the only one who decides subhanahu wa ta'ala who, is, who deserves the mercy and who does not. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descended this ayah again. By the way, Mufassirin they say that ayah may be descended twice. Same ayah may be descended twice. May be revealed to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi twice. In different cases. So this is not a problem in here. And this hadith is also, it is in Al-Bukhari. Alhamdulillah. Another narration or riwayah of this hadith they gave us the name that Muhammad sallallahu when he did this in Salat al-Fajr he raised his hands after the second rukuh and he cursed Safwan ibn Umayyah Suhail ibn Amr Al-Harith ibn Hishab three leaders of Quraysh who were hurting the Muslims and hurting Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa so he used sallallahu alayhi wa after the Fajr prayer after the second rukuh he stands up and starts to curse them Asking Allah to curse them, to send them away from His mercy. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descended this ayah. It's not up to you, Ya Muhammad. If Allah wants to curse them, He will. Do it. He will. If He doesn't want to. And in fact, subhanAllah, these three accepted Islam and became Sahaba. To show you that Muhammad does not know the right. And He's a human being. He's really hurted like us. Although He's a slave like us, but He is a messenger higher than us. But he is not to the area or to the level of Godhood. This is the problem in here. Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi is really better than us. And there is no way to... He is better than even all of the messengers of Allah. Because messengers, you know, there are prophets better than them. Messengers, messengers, five of them are the best. The strong will messengers. Ulil Azmi min al-Rusul. Five Nuhun wa Ibrahim wa Musa wa Isa wa Muhammad the best one of them is Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam so he is in the top of them but still sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he is not the one to make the decision about the people Allah subhanahu wa sallam ليس لك من الأمر شيء أو يتوب عليهم أو يعذبهم so it's up to Allah to bring them to Islam or to send them to Jahannam not up to you ya Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam these three accepted Islam And that really reminds me of the case of the Silh al-Hudaybiyah. In the sixth year of Hijrah, after Hijrah, Muhammad sallallahu to Medina, Muhammad sallallahu came with 1,400 
Sahaba to take Mecca from the from the followers. Now who knows the guy? Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. Muhammad came and his camel called Al Qaswa, female camel, sat down. Every time he wants her to go to Mecca, she sits down. So Muhammad said, leave her. She is told she is not going to go to Mecca. Same as the case of the field, the elephant. She cannot go to Mecca. Muhammad knew that Allah wanted him not to go to Mecca that year. When the people of Quraysh came to negotiate with Muhammad over this case, he accepted a very hard agreement. That Umar ibn Khattab and some other Sahaba were so angry with this agreement, they cannot accept it. They came to make Umrah only. يعني Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that يعني في الحديبية and the Hudaybiya the year of this he did not come to take Mecca actually he came only to make Umrah. And he had no weapons except the sword which is usually with every human being. But Quraysh refused. The leaders of Quraysh refused. And he was sent back sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to Medina to come direct to you to make the Umrah. Now who knows the guys? Allah Because of this agreement of Al-Hudaybiyah, Sulh Al-Hudaybiyah, the people who accepted Islam after Sulh Al-Hudaybiyah in about one or two years were more, a lot more than the people who accepted Islam before that. And Allah Subhanahu wa Ta'ala told us in his Surah Al-Fatsh, وَلَوْلَا رِجَالٌ مُؤْمِنُونَ وَنِسَاءٌ مُؤْمِنَاتٌ لَمْ تَعْلَمُوهُمْ أَنْ تَطَعُوهُمْ فَاسْتِيبُكُمْ مِنْهُمْ مَعَرَّةٌ بِغَيْرِ عِلْمٍ لِيُدْخِلَ اللَّهُ فِي رَحْمَتِهِ مَنْ so many reasons, so many wisdoms why he subhanahu wa ta'ala did not allow Muhammad and his Sahaba to get into Mecca. That, that year. Why? He gave us so many wisdoms. One of them to say, he said in this ayah, that Allah knew that a lot of Muslims who do not show their Islam, they are hiding their Islam, afraid of Mecca people. So if Muhammad and his people came and they killed everybody who is showing kufr, they will kill these Muslims. One case. Second case, Allah knew subhanahu wa ta'ala that lots of people of Mecca will accept Islam after that. So if they come and kill them as kafirs, they are kafirs. But Allah wanted them to accept Islam, so he did not allow Muhammad to get into Allah to the to Mecca. So now back to the case that Allah, the one who knows the ghayb, Allah is the, the one who has having the best wisdom subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it's not Muhammad although he is the best person ever walked on earth, still he is a human being, trust a messenger. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala these two hadith. For this ayah, he's telling him that you have no decision, it's up to Allah, it's not up to you. When he requested to be, for these three people, three people to be cursed, Allah did not allow him for that, and did not accept his da'wah, because Allah knew that these three will accept Islam. Right. Last hadith, to conclude this chapter, is the hadith of Abu Hurairah, radiallahu anhu arrah, it's both in Bukhari and Muslim also, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Abu Rayyad told us that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala descended the ayah, وَأَنْذَرْ عَشِيرَتَكَ الْأَقْرَبِينَ Our order to Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to make indah, warn to his people, the beginning of the da'wah in Mecca, he sallallahu alayhi wa sallam stood directly after this ayah, and he called his tribe Quraysh, he called his uncle Al-Abbas bin Abdul Muttalib, he called his aunt Safiya bint Abdul Muttalib, he called his daughter Fatima bint Muhammad that 
I have nothing to do with you. I cannot defend you. I cannot give you anything. You are supposed to buy your souls from Allah before you go on. Muhammad clearly by his own words in this hadith which is narrated by Al-Bukhari and Muslim that means no, no doubt about it and he is telling these people I have nothing I cannot do anything to you I am mere slave of Allah and messenger of Allah that's all I cannot really do anything I cannot bring you by force to accept Islam or to become Muslim or to go to Jannah even Fatima bin Muhammad وسلم, his own daughter his beloved daughter sallallahu alayhi wa sallam still he cannot and that happened actually his bad uncle Abu Lahab was one of the worst enemies of Muhammad that he was coming after him and every time he goes for make da'wah to make da'wah he comes out behind him and says don't believe him he's a liar and people see this, this man and they see his uncle who is known among everybody almost Abu Lahab telling that he's a liar Could Muhammad make him a Muslim? He couldn't. He couldn't even get rid of his enemy or enmity. Again Abu Talib, his aunt, another uncle, who was defending him and protecting him for years. Could he force him into Islam? He couldn't. He tried and tried and tried. And he came when he was dying and he said, Ya Am, please, say La ilaha illallah, I will defend you with this La ilaha illallah on the judgment day. He refused to say and he died on the deen of his uh, uh, father Abdul Muttal. Although Abu Talib clearly in so many poems he said that he believes that Muhammad is true and his deen is true. وَلَقَدْ عَلِمْتُ أَنَّ دِينَ مُحَمَّدٍ مِنْ خَيْرِ أَدْيَانِ الْبَرِّيَّةِ دِينَ لَوْلَا الْمَلَامَةِ أَوْ حَذَارَ مَسَبَّةٍ لَوَجَدْتَنِي تَنْحَمْ بِذَاكَ مُبِينًا But he did not say it. Because Allah knew that he does not deserve Islam. Don't think that we became Muslims because we are smart people, smart-headed. It is all the grace of Allah Who gave you the grace to be born among Muslims and to be directed by your parents to Islam? While he subhanahu wa ta'ala lets the others to live as Sikhs or Hindus or Christians and so on. What are you going to, what, what did you give to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so he will give you this chance? Nothing. It's only that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the most merciful. And He was so mercy with you, with us all, that He really gave us a chance to be Muslims. That's the biggest and greatest ni'mah. The greatest ni'mah that you get is that you are a Muslim. And you will not see this clear and major grace until you die. When you face the life of a grave, the life of judgment day, then you will say, Alhamdulillah, 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 الذي هدانا لهذا وما كنا لنهتدي لولا أن هدانا الله. Otherwise, who gave you the hidayah? By your own strong arm, you got it? By your own smart mind, you got it? No. Because of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So in this case, when Muhammad sallallahu was calling his close relatives, and he telling them that I have nothing to do with you. I cannot do anything to you. I'm just telling you, if you accept that for you, please, come, accept Islam. لا أغني عنكم من الله شيئا. Even his daughter Fatima, he cannot do anything to her. 
He cannot force her to become a Muslim. So, this is not underestimating Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. We know that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam does not need to be praised by us. He is already praised by Allah wa ta'ala. Muhammad rasulullah wal-ladheena amanu ma'ah. Muhammad Rasulullah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning his name in Quran and he is praising him in Quran what does he need why he needs our praising but we do this because we are ordered to say it inna allaha wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayuhaladheena amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima Allahumma salli ala muhammad we do that because for our own good man salla alayya salatan wahida sallallahu biha alayhi ashra so we are doing this not because Muhammad deserves it only, but also we are looking for our own good. We are getting Allah remember us and praising us in the heavens. Salatullahi ala ibadihi dhikrhum wa salaahu alayhim fil mala'i al-a'la. When Allah remembers you, subhanahu wa ta'ala, it means that He is bringing your name and praising your name in the heavens. Say your name. Your name is said there. How great you are. How great you are when Allah wa ta'ala is praising you among the angels, among the people of the heavens. From the whole case now, we can really understand that no one, whoever this one, deserves to worship except Allah And that is the exact meaning of La ilaha illallah. What does, mean, what does, what does La ilaha illallah mean? It means none, none has the right to be worshipped except Allah La ilaha, khalas, none. No one deserves to worship. In Allah except Allah. Study this La ilaha illallah grammatically. In Arabic, you will find it saying that none. No one deserves to worship. Oh, then except Allah. So no one, when you come, when you bring a cup, or a glass to drink. This glass is not clean. What you will do? Or maybe fill with something you don't like. First of all, you will clean the cup. When it's clean enough, then you put what you want to drink and drink it. This is the heart of a human being. It is dirty with the loss or shedding of the others. When he is a true Muslim, when he understands the true meaning of La ilaha illallah, that means he is saying, La ilaha illallah, clean. La ilaha is clean enough. Illallah. To put the love and worshipping of Allah only. And Allah, tabaraka wa ta'ala, does not accept any share. Man ashraka ma'ya shay'an taraktuhu wa shirka. Only Allah is the one to deserve to be worshipped. These are the proofs that no one deserves to be worshipped. All of these people are worshipping, they cannot do anything to them. They cannot help them. They cannot hear them. They cannot do no benefit. So what worship? Why to go and spend money or other things to such and such grave of such and such Khalandar Baba? What? What are, what are they going to be? Nothing. Even if he is, even if we have thousands of stories about that guy. One Arabian scholar, long time ago, he authored a book of eight volumes. Eight volumes containing the miracles of the awliya. 
كرامات الأولياء. I do not urge you to read it. In fact, I urge you not to, not to read it. Because it's containing things that no Muslim really should read. He's bringing so much stories about the awliya, how they did this and did that. And when the people come to their graves and ask them, they are doing this. One of the stories, which is a funny story I told you before, that he said that one of the awliya, some of his beloved followers were in a ship in an ocean, a strong storm, tornadoes, and the ship was going to sink, so they cried, Ya wali ya Allah fulan. They called that wali. Now listen to the story. So that wali sent his hand and carried the whole ship from that ocean to another ocean. La ilaha illallah. And Muslims, they believe such stories. What can you do? If Muslims, born Muslims, if not Muslims, they believe such stories, what are you going to do? When they, what will happen is that, oh, that God, that wali is a big case. So let's go and ask Barakah from him. Let's go and ask him to cure Okay, in the beginning they don't do this. They don't go and ask him directly. In the beginning they say, we'll ask Allah by them. We'll ask Barakah from their soil of the grave. And you go there, you find the keepers of the grave ready for you. To give you ta'weez, hijab, that, these things that from the Rimlachandar Baba. Just take it in halas. If you hang it in your children's chest or neck, halas. No one can touch them. By who? And if you, for any reason, open that knitted ta'weez, you'll find some crazy things there. XO, XO, brother, uh, anything, something doesn't mean anything. It's just uh, selling money. It's business. Business. Why, why, why do we have to order? Why do, we have to, why, why do we have to travel hours, thousands of kilometers to go to Ajmer? Or Sayyid Madani, or Shah Jalal? or Ta'ayshi, or Badawi. Why? While we are in our own place, we can raise the hand to the greatest, subhanahu wa ta'ala, and ask him. And he told us, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ اُدْعُونِ يَسْتَجُبْ لَكُمْ اُدْعُونِ, call me. I will answer you. And he's the only one capable of giving you what you want. These people are not. Even if they are good people. We're not saying that they are bad people. Maybe they are pious persons, yes, but what can they do? If Muhammad himself personally told us that he cannot do anything to us, can we ask him? Be careful, brothers. It's the case that we have to remember and think of it. Don't let these people trick you. Don't let shaitan trick you. We are in, we want to be in the track of Muhammad and his Sahaba Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. What is that track? To ask, to ask the dead people? To ask the rocks or trees or others? To ask the rivers and the... No, to ask Allah only. To ask Allah only. That's the way of Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Our mother Aisha told us that every time that Muhammad sallallahu is having a problem and he's in trouble, he goes to graves, he goes to dead people or trees, yafza ila salah, directly. Salah to call Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talk to him. Anything he's having a problem, any problem, any problem he's having, directly he goes for salah. And he asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the one who told us, وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمْ مُدْعُونِ يَسْتَجْرُونِ and when you do this, you are doing ibadah, worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether he gives you what you want or not, still you are winning. Dealing with Allah makes you always a winner. Dealing with the others makes you always a loser. 
with this in mind. Jazakumullah khair for listening. If you have any questions, especially if it's uh, around the topic, I'll be happy to hear from you. Jazakumullah khair. See you, inshallah, next week.